and prince and power of the air that is at work in the children of disobedience. And it then goes on to say um, that we're, we're all in the same boat, high and low, rich and poor, educated and uh, not non-educated, refined and sophisticated and primitive. Uh, or we were all controlled by these things and children of wrath. But then it says, Christ sent Jesus and he made us alive and raised us up together uh, and changed our lives. And that's where we finished. And there might be somebody who still feels, I need God to come from heaven down to hell. I've gone past earth. I'm in hell. And raise me up out of this situation, out of this personality disorder, out of this nature that I have that I hate. I need God to come down, and I need him to raise me up to heaven. Well, if you're in that situation at the end, we'll pray. But that's where we left it. But what does it go on to say after he's raised us up? After he's made us to, um, you know, taken us from hell to heaven and changed our lives, what does it say after that? Well, I want to major on that. I'm just taking up where we left off in the summer. And it's Ephesians chapter 2 and it's verse 10. I wonder if we can all stand. We're going to say it together, okay? Because you haven't got the words in front of you or my version of the words, which I'm not quite sure whether it's a New Living Testament or whether it's uh, the um, New King James I've written up here. But we'll say it together. I'll say it first. You repeat it after me. We are... His workmanship, created in Christ for good works. Say it again. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now look around to somebody. We are talking yesterday about speaking things into being. Ready? So I want you to have a little look around and say to the person this, you are his workmanship created in Christ for good works. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? We're, please sit down. We are his workmanship. Hallelujah. We're not a product of a self-help gospel. We're not a product of our own abilities and efforts and, and um, knowledge. We are his workmanship. He takes those that are not. He takes those that other people uh, marginalize. He takes the powerless. He takes the weak. He takes the stupid. And he makes the weak strong. And he makes the... He makes the, the stupid wise. Amen. 
I've met so many wonderfully godly, wise people and haven't got a, a GCSE to their name. And I've also met people who've got the highest minds in the world, and they be, but they rely on the wisdom from heaven. Amen. He takes those that are not noble and he makes them princes and kings unto God. It's he that does it. And uh, we want to pray for you because at the end of this because I want the touch of God to come on your life to take the emphasis off you and on the emphasis in his hand. You are his workmanship. Amen. I'm a product of God. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I'm a product of God. Because the devil's telling some of you, you're rubbish, you're thick, you're stupid. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. Well, you need to look in the mirror and say, I'm a product of God. And you're not speaking to God. You're speaking to your own spirit. You're speaking to the demonic powers that will marginalize and crush and tell you that you're rubbish, you're nothing. And it's a demonic spirit that is telling you that. Amen. I'll try and go easy. I don't want to be too unpolitically correct. Amen. Amen. So this verse follows on from, the, you know, you were children of disobedience and all these sort of things. Um, and then tells us, he says, you're my workmanship. And it's important you know how God works. You know, in the Bible, uh, there was a great prophet. And his name was Jeremiah. They called him the prophet of tears. The reason it was is he, he had to carry the power of God and the, the message of God in an environment that was sliding, that was, uh, the, 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 the society was in a mess. They didn't know where they were, they couldn't judge the right hand from the left hand. And I sometimes wonder, that's the way we are at the moment in our country. They didn't know what was right and they didn't know what was wrong. They'd lost their value system based on the law of Moses and they'd sample this and they'd sample that and, sam and they were up the wall. And they were in a mess. At every level of their society, whether it was educational, spiritual, political, it was a mess. And God raised up a mighty prophet. Prophet is somebody who sees higher, who sees heaven. And a, a prophet is somebody that when he speaks, it comes into being. And, uh, and, jo and Jeremiah, he's, he's standing before God and he's saying, everything's in a mess. I mean, you know, you called me. Why couldn't I have been born in the days of Isaiah when, you know, Josiah was celebrating God or the time of Solomon? Why could I? Why have been born now? 
Why do you have to live in this sick society? And God said to him, Jeremiah, I want to show you what I'm doing. I want to show you how I operate. I want to show you how I work. And so, in Jeremiah 18, verses 1 to 6, it says this, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something on the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel. As it seemed good to the potter. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, you are in my hand, O house of Israel. Let's say that to get this together. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Isn't it interesting that he didn't take him to the joiner's workshop or the engineers? The Syrians had some fantastic engineers, and so did the Jews. Why did he take him to the potter's house? Before I get on to that, I'll just say a few things about that passage. It says he was making something. God is not inactive in this church. You might think, well, it's three steps back, four, you know, four steps forward, three steps back. And you might look at your life and you think, you know, I've been a Christian X amount of times. I don't feel as if I've moved very far. And I don't feel, you know, I don't feel things and this. And, uh, um, you know, where am I and what's going on? Why is it all happening for everybody else? Well, I want to tell you, God wants you to know he is working. He is making something of you. Amen. He didn't just save you. And I'm talking about women now. I'm not just talking to men. I'm not just talking about leaders and elders. He's talking about women. He's talking about children. He's talking about the elderly. He's talking about everybody. He wants to, you, you are his workmanship and he's going to make something of you and he's put a calling on your life and he wants you to step into who he has called you to be. And when I pray for people at the end of this, something is going to be released. Um, he's making something. And this other thing was, it got messed up. It got messed up. 
It was marred in the hands of the potter. And I don't know about you as a Christian, you know, you made a move to the Lord and everything's going on and there's somebody here this, this resonates with and you're going on fine and then everything got messed up. Perhaps it was something that someone spoke into your heart. Perhaps it was something, uh, a curse put on you. It could have been some stupid decision you made. It could have been your own fault or somebody else's fault or whoever fault it is, but it's left you high and dry and you're thinking, Lord God, I know you touched my life. I can remember the days when glory just touched me, but now it all got messed up. Well, this is the word to you today. This is the word to me today. So he made it again. Amen. We all get messed up. Particularly when we're young Christians and all sorts of stuff comes at us and we don't handle it the right way. We don't make the right decisions. And particularly if we're under a gospel of denial... It never gets sorted out. But the wonderful thing about Jesus, the wonderful thing about God, the wonderful thing is that he loves you. He doesn't, his workmanship isn't based on whether you're going to get everything right. Amen? God is going to touch people today. Not because I do everything right. In fact, it really doesn't have anything to do with me. But the wonderful thing is he makes it again. So he made it again, and he's going to make it again. He's going to raise you up again. Did you get marred? Did something disfigure your heart? Are you beyond redemption? Are you, is it, you know, beyond repair? And beyond repair, God says, no, I'll make it again. And there's a word for someone in this room, I am certain, is that he's saying to you, fear not. I, my love is greater than your failures, than your nature, and I am going to make you again. Amen. Amen. Another thing was um, into another vessel. You see, when you've had a move of God on your life, or God's touched your life, a whole sequence of events start, and you start on a certain course. And uh, everything gets messed up, and everything goes wrong. Um, but, you know, when God revisits us, he not only makes us again, he doesn't, he doesn't regurgitate the past. He's not only going to make you again, 
He's going to make you again and raise up something different than you've ever seen before of his glory. Amen. I mean, I, I can see this in uh, some of the great ministries in the world today. You know, um, the likes of David Wilkerson, who was, you know, crossing the switchblade. He's an evangelist. He's on the street. Well, you know, he went through a journey, didn't he? And maybe he messed up. Maybe he didn't. But God visited him afresh, and he became one of the greatest prophets on the planet. Amen. So when God moves in a fresh way, don't be surprised if he does fresh things. Amen. Hallelujah. Just turn to somebody and say he's got fresh things for you. Amen. You can ignore all this if you want to, but you know, I just like getting on the devil's nerves and I know that gets on the devil's nerves. There we go. Amen. You know, when I, in, 19, in 1970, 48 years ago, 48, maybe, maybe let's be a bit nicer to me, maybe it was 47 years ago, I was an art student, and um, I was doing this course where we had to have a go at everything, textiles, uh, sculpture, um, design, fine art. You had to do the lot. And I always remember the first day of going to the potter's house. We didn't call it the potter's house then. We called it the ceramics department. You know, perhaps if we upgrade the Bible, we could say go to the ceramics department. Um, and, uh, and we were all standing there in this brand new ceramics department. And the teacher, Brian Jones from Wales, said, uh, by the way, some of, the, <laughs> some of the people I can remember in my class were off the planet. They were on, while the ceramics lesson was going on. They were on LSD. And there was one guy that wanted to kill everybody because he thought we were all monsters. So, okay. But that's beside, but we stood in this and there was a lot of rough and ready people from where I live in the ceramics department. We're used to all sorts of things. And he said, the clay's over there. The clay's over there. Go and get some clay. Now, he said, you can't use the white clay. You've got to use the red clay. And the red clay's over there. When we get to the clay, all these guys who are used pretty rough and ready, uncouth, said, I'm not touching that. I'm not touching that. Because, I've got to phrase it, because it was runny, it was watery, and it looked the worst type of human waste that you can imagine. And I could see, the, we all stood there, but we all backed off. It was revolting. 
He said, go and get some clay. So we had to pick up this revolting material and plop it on a plaster, a plaster plate and uh, bring it to the bench. Why didn't he take them to the joiner's shop? Why didn't he take them to the, the tool shop of the engineers where there's precision, gleaming metal? He wanted to show, he wanted to show Jeremiah how he works. And what he does is he, he took, he touches that which is revolting. He touches that which no one else wants to touch. He reaches out to the material that's the ugliest, that's the vilest, that's the filthiest. And as a holy God, this great potter, he's touched you. He loved you when you didn't love yourself. He reached out to you when you were at your ugliest and worst. God reaches out to humanity in all its mess, in all its vileness, and he makes it his workmanship. Amen. You are his workmanship, created for good works. Amen. Will you allow the potter to touch your life? You know, I don't mind you touching, Lord, the part of the clay that's got it all together. No, he wants to touch the raw material of your human personality. He wants to touch your instincts, your thoughts, your vileness. Because he's a potter. Amen. Now, the thing was, we got this clay and we put it on the plat. And then he said, the guy, Brian, the teacher said, you need to knead it now. So you've got all this slop on the plate. And uh, you, you can't do anything, it's just slop. And you might think, I'm just slop. You can't do anything with me. But I'll tell you, this is what he does. Puts you on the plate that something's absorbent. And he gets this slop and he starts to knead. And what it is, he squeezes all the bubbles out. Squeezes all the... Squeezing it. Squeezing it. Squeezing it. And you know, when you come to Christ, sometimes there's all sorts of things. He, he, you think, oh God, I thought it was going to be heaven on earth. And you're squeezing me. You're squeezing all the flesh out. You're his workmanship. This is what he does with human slop. He squeezes the flesh out. He squeezes your own will out. He squeezes your own pride out, your own arrogance out. So, well, I thought it was going to be glory. You haven't finished yet. Because then when you've kneaded it all out, 
you get it into balls. And he goes, I mean, you don't do this with clay. You don't go. You don't do that. You go, smack. God, I thought you loved me. You see this stuff in your life, Dave? It's going to go smack. He has to do this. Because he's making you into the image of his son. But he's not. this process isn't just about being in the image of his son. This, is, this process, the end game, is that you will do good works. Then he takes you to the wheel. Took it to the wheel. He's got all the air bubbles out now. He's squeezed everything. You feel as if you've been bounced around. And now he's taking you to the wheel. When you get to the wheel, you have to take this clay. And again, there's one, he, he's got to get you smack in the center of that wheel. So again, there's this enormous, almighty throwing of the clay onto the wheel. It's got to hit the center. If it's not in the center of the wheel, this clay will just flick and be splattered all over the place. And God knows that he's got to get you, Jesus has got to become the center of your life. So that when you, because when you get out there, you know, the devil will have you for mincemeat. And of course, it takes, if you, it depends on our, the skill of the potter, but most guys, you know, it's not quite center when it hits. And so the hands of the potter leans on the pottery thing and uses his elbows on the, the ridge of the, the potter, potter's wheel, and he starts to put his hands, and you know, it's not quite center. It's not quite centered, so the clay's going like this. And then he gets his hands around the clay. And he starts to pull it into the center. And there are people here. Jesus is not quite the center. And his love, he starts to get his arms around you. Say, look, you don't want to do that, Dave. It's not going to work out right. If you want to move further, higher, deeper in me, just let, just let me guide you to make me the priority, the center, the first in your life. Amen. Amen. What we've got to realize is this.
Christianity only works if it's total. Amen. Okay, so then, when it's in the center, that's when everything starts to rise up. Amen. That's when your ministry will rise up. That's when your fruit will rise up. That's when your likeness to Christ will rise up. You say, what can I do? We need visitations from heaven. But what you can do is say, God, you know, if there's areas of my life that's not quite in line with what you want and what you've said, Lord, I just want you to get hold of me. Pull me into the center. I want all, I remember when I said, Lord, I want all of you for all of me. And he said, and, 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 uh, he said, yeah, that's the deal. Amen. And from time to time, when I've been sort of a little bit sort of wobbly, you know, and maybe I've missed the point or not quite got things right or there's things starting to line up that's thought, oh, that looks interesting. And the Lord said to me, I've been in meetings, and he said to me, I remember him saying to me, I don't know what it was, but things were getting a bit tough, and I thought, you know what? I could sling this and do something else, you know. Anyway, I'm, 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 um, I'm there worshiping the Lord. And he said, how is it with us, Dave? How is it with us? said, Lord, I want you to know it as it was. All of me for all of you. Amen. I'm watching your clock. You finish at 12, don't you? You do? So I'll have to finish there, won't I? Five minutes. You know, when, when you go in the center, you start to be shaped. You start to rise up. Amen. I'll move forward. I won't, I won't tell you the whole process, because that's quite a revelation in itself. When, my, when I was um, a kid, and I don't know whether it was the case in London, but everybody used to have a tea service in a cab, special cabinet in the home. This was case the queen came to visit us. No one ever used these dishes. You know, and uh, did that happen here? They all had display cabinets. We had a China, a, an original China set of plates. It must be worth a fortune now. And these were special plates that would only be used for special people. Then we had we, then we had the dishes in the underneath the cupboard where I had my chips on. And then in the yard there was sort of might have been a couple of plant pots which you'd only put dirt in. In the Bible it says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2 20 to 22 in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but of wood and hay 
of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. In other words, there's some in the display cabinet, there's some for the chips, and there's some with dirt in them in the yard. They're all being used, of course. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that is, obsessions that God doesn't want you to have, he will be a vessel or a dish or crockery for honor, sanctified and used for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee youthful lusts, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Amen. Now, imagine that I go to, um, I like picking on Jim, because he picks on everyone else, so, so I'm going to pick on him now. Imagine we arrive at Jim and Margaret's, and uh, he says, oh, we've got a meal. We've got, we've got a meal uh, we're going to have. I'm gonna, we're going to do a, a roast dinner. I said, great, we love roast dinners. Have you got any Yorkshire puddings? Yeah, want to do Yorkshire pudding. Great, favorite meal. And we all sit at the table, and, um, and I, go, I happen to go into into the kitchen while he's serving up. And I notice that he's serving me dinner up. He's getting the dishes out of the dishwasher that haven't been washed with his old dinner on from the day before. And he's putting it out and he's serving my favorite food. <laughs> so he comes, comes up. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, Sue. How do you think I'm going to feel? Because he's serving me dinner up on dirty plates. And God wants to move in our lives and wash us so he can use us for good works. But he doesn't want to serve stuff up on dirty plates, does he? Let's just pray. I want to pray for people who are sick. But before I do, I want the worship group to come up. I've asked them to uh, play a song um, called The Potter's Hand by Darlene Check, Hillsong's Music. We're going to sing that in a minute, but just let's pray. You know, God loves you. He loved you. He loves you, the raw material. He loves you. He loves you when your life was sloppy. He loves you now. He loved you then. You might feel you're untouchable. You just tell God, God, I'm reaching out to you, the potter. I want you to pick me up. I want you to touch my life. I'm a million miles away from you. I didn't even think you'd be interested in me. But I'm coming to you right now. 
I thank you that you're not a precision engineer that, that has to have everything, you know, perfect before you can use it. Lord, I just thank you you take awful things and make them beautiful. Will you make me beautiful? Will you change my heart? Will you fill my spirit? You say to him, Lord, come. I'm giving my life to you today. The Bible says, you know, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's all you need to do. The slop can't stop being slop unless the potter picks it up. But if we can say, Lord, will you come? Will you pray this prayer with me? I'm going to ask everybody to pray the prayer, even though everybody's probably said it. Or to saying it out loud, because they're going to try and help you to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, that you should be saved. That God will change your life, change your heart, Start to raise you up. Start to move on your life. Start to cut you off from things that have messed everything up. Change your past and give you a new future. So would you, everybody, pray this prayer? And if that's you, as we're praying it, I want you to pray out aloud as a declaration. And as you do, God is going to come into your life and fill you. Are we ready? Lord Jesus, I come to you. I thank you that you love me. Even though I feel unlovable. I thank you that you touch me. Even though I might feel untouchable. Will you come into my life now? And wash away my sin. And come and fill me with the spirit that was in Jesus. To help me to follow you. I believe you were raised from the dead. And I'm trusting you to change me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you you're, keep your heads bowed because I just, this is a sacred moment for people, but I want to just personally pray over you so that powers and principalities are broken, so that there's angelic support, so that the Lord will start to move in your life. So if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, as everybody else is not watching, just quickly raise your hand and put it down again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm going to pray right now. I'm sure there's someone else. Yes, okay. I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I break every power that's tried to destroy these people and to rob them of who your plans in their life. 
Now, Lord, release the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, and let accompanying angelic support start to move around their, not only their lives, but their circumstances, their environment, their nature, and you will start to move by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God, hallelujah. Now, you know, we're all in a process, aren't we? There's some people here where, you know, uh, <laughs> you've given your life to the Lord and all hell's broken loose. And you've thought, what's going on? But what the Lord's doing, he's, he, he's, he's sorting stuff out because he's got to get quality of your motives and hearts and desires it ready for the wheel. Okay, but right now it's hard. Well, I want to pray. I want you to pray and say, Lord, will you keep me? You take me in your hands. Will you just keep me through this season and bring me into a place where you raise me up? And then there's other people, you've been through that process and there's been a great big bang or maybe an incident, somebody's had an incident happen. And... But God, God is nearly the center. What I feel the Lord saying, God's nearly the center. Nearly. And, you're, let his, and, and he wants to just put his hands and he's pulling you into the center. You just say to the Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. Uh, and those, there's people who were in the center and they've just slightly gone off the center let him pull you back, Lord. Recommit, reconsecrate your life to God. And then there's other people that he's been the center of your life, but you've never been raised up. And it could be false teaching. It's false teaching. It's false teaching. It's made you think wrong about yourself and about how God can work in your life. Wrong teaching, just come off. Come off in Jesus' name. Just cut it off in Jesus' name. He's going to raise you up. As we sing this song, let's sing it. We'll sing it a few times because I want you to sing it as a prayer. And then after we pray, we use this as a prayer. In fact, we can say a prayer together, can't we? And then we'll sing this song to uh, seal it. And then after that, as they're singing this song, I want to pray for the sick. So if you're sick, the Lord said to me, there's someone here, you need to pray for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know who that is. Um, and I don't mean born again either. I mean the power of the Holy Spirit just coming on you to do works of service for him. Okay, if I've got the label wrong, forgive me, but I feel God wants to baptize someone in the Holy Spirit. Um, but I want to pray for the sick. Well, let's right now pray about this. Let's, Father, we come to you. We thank you that we're in your hands. 
are yours. We are your workmanship. And you're creating us for good works. I ask you, Lord, to finish the work that you've begun in me. And raise me up to be the vessel that you want to use. I give my life to you. I put my hands into the hands of my father, the great potter who fashions everything into the likeness of Jesus and the power of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, shall we? Now, as I'm praying for the sick, the meeting will be over, but I'd ask the worship group to just sing a few songs. Would you do that? If you get fed up, put a tape on. Okay? Because worship, you know, is so important because it carries the environment of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And, you know, it isn't just the Word of God. It's the presence of God that is vital for the transformation of God to take place. Amen? So as we're singing, and you know, people coming out and pray, you feel free to go and have a cup of tea, but don't eat all the biscuits <laughs> until we're finished. Okay, I'm handing over to the, to the worship group, and then the leaders will come out. So when you're ready, if... Um, as we stand and as we're worshiping the Lord with this song, if you want prayer for healing, I want to pray for you for healing. This word, this expression, uh, and I don't know whether it's particularly for anyone, tortured mind. So if your mind is tortured, I want to particularly pray for you as well. And there is one person, perhaps maybe more, I don't know, pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the, in the terms that I've said. You can call it anointing. You can call it a point. You can call it what you like as, what you, as long as God comes. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship the Lord. Mm -hmm.